Praise God. Well, if you, if you have your Bible with you today, go ahead and get that out. And, uh, and, and let's go over to the book of Ephesians. If you're new with us, uh, welcome. Glad you're here. Uh, if you have a Bible or a Bible on your phone, go ahead and look it up. Ephesians chapter 4. I've been teaching a series uh, for the last several weeks. And some of you might be late to it, but better late than never. Isn't that what Jesus said? No, I don't think he said that, but uh, <laughs> nevertheless, we're glad that you're here. And I've been teaching a series called uh, Right Living in a Wrong World. And uh, our, our text, I'll, I'll go ahead and read these, even though you don't need to turn there, has been 1 Corinthians 15, 34, which reads, Awake to righteousness and do not sin, for some do not have the knowledge of God. I speak this to your shame. Again, let me remind you, number one, awake to righteousness. And that's talking about the righteousness of God that we have in Christ. It's not right living. It's not, it's not earning right standing. It's gifted to us by faith in his shed blood for our sins, right? That's number one. Number two, live accordingly. Or another way to say that is stop sinning. This is also a vital message even for the New Covenant believer that we know who we are in Him and that we learn how to live that out and walk that out accordingly. And then Philippians chapter 2, I'll read verse 13, which says, For it is God who works in you both to will and to do for His good pleasure. So the activities and working of God inside of an individual is not only related to salvation, the forgiveness of sin, but then he also works in us to motivate, to empower us to do what pleases him, to live right, to do the right thing. So if you're saved and you struggle with doing wrong things, good news, God is on your side. He's not in you to whip on you. He's not in you to knock you down. He's in you to work uh, towards the right end, which is the living out of his righteous standards. Praise God. Now, uh, we're going to read from Ephesians 4, but I want to set it up real quick and reiterate what I said again. Uh, I said previously that the first three chapters of the book of Ephesians highlight and focus on eternal truth. Things like who we are in Christ, Satan's defeat, Christ's victory over him, our place seated with Christ in heavenly places. He teaches about our authority. That's all positional. It's our standing with God. It's what he did for us and we received by believing. But then chapter 4 begins the outworking of that. And it starts off with talking about uh, us walking worthy of this calling. And so I want to jump down then to verse 20 today and pick up here in the walk it out chapter, chapter four in verse 20, but you have not so learned Christ. And that is referencing the ungodly behaviors in the previous verses. You didn't learn that from Jesus. He said, if indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, that you Put off concerning your former conduct, the old man, which grows corrupt according to deceitful lusts. And 
be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man, which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. So we put off the old dude, right? Put on the new man. Who is the new man he's saying to put on? That's talking about your righteous, recreated human spirit, okay? When you're saved, your spirit is born again, your spirit is made alive, it is righteous, it is holy, it is like God. He's saying, put this on. That's the real you. And, and, and by nature now, see what? For the believer, by nature, we are righteous and holy. See, the, tr- the trouble is sometimes uh, people speak to Christians and say, well, we're all prone to do wrong. We all have this sin bent where we naturally do things wrong. That is incorrect for the Christian. That's correct for the human race as a whole because we're born into sin, right? But for the believer, we are, in, we are told, put on the new man. In other words, if you don't put him on, you're going to still think like the old dude who is prone to death, prone to wrongdoing. But when you're saved, your inward nature is prone to, to right living. It's prone to righteousness, to follow after God. And that's how we have to think. Take that and put it on. Put it on. Put it in your mentality that you are uh, like God. Okay? See, see that's a strong statement I, I realize. Well, just depending on where you come from and what you've been taught. But for us to think that we are like God is foreign to many believers because they're constantly told we're not, you're not like him. He's awesome. You're horrible. He's pure and powerful and holy and righteous, and you're a piece of dirt. You just need to, you know, crawl up to the throne and uh, beg for mercy. But listen, if, he, if you've been saved, according to the Word of God, you've, been, you've become like Him. It was His doing. It was His work. But it, again, right here is one of those scriptures. We were created in righteousness and true holiness. That's not talking about our physical being. That's talking about our spirit. All right? This is who we are in Him. That's the mentality I must put on. Because I wake up, I look in the mirror, I don't see. Perfect. Holy. Righteous. I just see me. So I have to put on this mentality of what God declares that I am in Him. Right? And so this is what we are to put on every day. If we're ever going to live this out, we have to wear this mentality. We have to wear the new man. We put that on every single day. And just like kids are you know, like their parents in so many ways, both by observation and some of it just by DNA. They're like their parents in many ways. We are, once you're born of God, you're like your father. Amen. So if that seems hard to accept, uh, go back to the Word and believe it anyway. And say about yourself, I'm like God. Now don't go bragging to people because they might not understand. But, But... you can do this. Thank you, Lord. I'm like you. Thank you, Lord. I'm your child. I got your stuff in me. I got your DNA in me. Spiritual herit- uh, heritage. Yeah. Now, in verse 25, he's continuing to talk about this practical way of living. He says, therefore, putting away lying, let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. I find this very interesting that Paul is writing a letter to Christians, believers, saved people, spirit-filled, saved people who live in Ephesus. This is their church. 
And what's his message? Stop lying. Why would he say that? I mean, Christians don't lie. I mean, these are saved people, right? I mean, isn't this so weird? I mean, you guys wouldn't ever tell a lie, would you? How come you're not saying, oh, no. (laughs) Absolutely not. Well, apparently, see, this is really weird. Apparently, way back then, sometimes people, after they got saved, even spirit-filled, still struggled with telling the truth. Isn't that strange? (laughs) Or is it possible that maybe like what they dealt with, like we're the same. And today, sometimes, maybe somewhere at some other church, maybe. (laughs) Christians sometimes bend the truth, flat out lie. And this is what he's telling them. He said, that's not who you are. Why would someone need to be told not to lie? A Christian now, why would they need to be told not to lie? Because they have not put off the old man. They're still behaving in a manner that is consistent with their dead nature. The part that was crucified with Christ. Right? They're no longer walking uh, in the new man as he states it here. So so let's talk about, can we take a few minutes to talk about lying? Welcome to church, everybody. I, I want to, if this is written for me, inspired by the Lord, bloodshed and tears have been spent to give us a copy of this word, of these scriptures, and the word is to Christians, stop lying. I'm going to take this serious. And, and, and so understand, when someone lies, they are not inadvertently saying something false. They, they are not just speaking foolishly or making a mistake. To lie, you have to know what's true and what's not and intentionally say what's not true, right? You know, you know better and you purpose to deceive someone by telling them something that is not true, all right? Interesting, the Bible is replete with examples of that very thing from Genesis to Revelation. And when I looked at this, I thought, I'm going to, I'll just touch on lying because it's just in one verse here in Ephesians. And I began to study these things out in the scripture and I thought, oh no. <laughs> if I'm going to be even cover this for a minute, this would have, I mean, adequately at all, this would have to be a whole series. I don't know that I want to do a lying series. <laughs> and I don't intend to do that. But I thought, this is a really big problem. And so maybe we, we allow these major problems to exist thinking they're minor, thinking they're insignificant, not that big a deal. Oh, yeah, now and then I do this or that. But according to the word, and when you read the, the, the Bible, it is a very, very big deal. It started back in Genesis with Satan. It started with him after, you know, uh, God gave Adam and Eve instructions about eating everything except for the one tree, and they partook of that tree. In that process, Satan went to them straight up, looked them in the eye, as much as serpents can do that, uh, and lied to them. And he, he basically, you know, they told him, Eve said, the Lord said, 
we're going to die if we eat that. And he responded by saying, you're not going to die. You're, you will not surely die. And there's the first lie on the planet. That he's, he's just looking them in the eye and saying exactly what is not true. To deceive, to trick, to get them to do the wrong thing. That's the nature of Satan. Jesus described Satan's nature in John chapter 8 where he was just plain about it and he was speaking to some religious people when he said this in verse 44, you are of your father the devil and the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning and he does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources. He is a liar and the father of it. So when we think about the subject of lying, let's know where it comes from. Okay? Let's have a full grasp. This has nothing to do with God. In him is light and there is no darkness at all. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. God is true, pure, no deception. There's no shading it in any form or fashion. And Satan is a straight up liar. The guy is a liar. He will lie to you all day long. We should know this. Not only did he lie to Eve, he still lies to people. What, what would be the intention? What would be the, the reason for, for lying? I think first and foremost, it's to paint a false, inaccurate picture of God so that people will choose to reject him. Think about it. If you saw, if anyone saw any full-blown de declared atheist saw God in reality, in his love and goodness and all of his truth, they would want him. They would say, I want to know you and be with you. And wow, this is amazing. What, how would you keep that from happening? How would you keep the whole world from being drawn to a loving, powerful, wonderful God? You'd lie about him. You'd paint a picture that was something less desirable, something completely untrue. So that when people say God, they, uh, oh, you're one of those. You, someone says Jesus, eh. They have a bad taste in their mouth. They don't want him. That means the lie worked. He lies. Sometimes he uses people to lie. But when we stand in truth, and, and that means we see things clearly, there's accuracy, there's no doubt we'll all want him. Even for the believer. You understand this. Even for the saved person, which Satan has failed with most of us here, in keeping us out of heaven. We're going. Right? So what's the next step? He wants to lie to keep you in bondage while you're still here. Keep you from spreading the good news. Keep you sick and poor and depressed and down and ineffective and unsuccessful in life. Right? How would you do that? Lies. Lies. Lie to us about what God wants concerning our well-being. Concerning our success in life. His plan. Lies, 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 lies. Jesus said it. He's speaking of his own resources. He's a liar. He's the father of lies. Here's what some of this motivates me to say. I don't want to have anything to do with this lying business. 
It hurts people. It hurts me. It is Satan's strategy. It is so contrary and opposite of our Father and of the Lord Jesus. I don't want anything to do with this. But Satan is that way. Revelation 12, 9 reads, uh, it talks about those uh, who are called the, the, called the devil and Satan, not those, but that person called the devil and Satan who deceives the whole world. His very nature is to deceive people. Okay, so again, what does that tell us if we're a believer? I want to be as far away from deception as possible. I don't want it to come anywhere near me in my heart. I don't want to deceive anyone in the slightest. Why? That's the nature of Satan. It's the exact opposite of who I am in Christ and of, it's the exact opposite of the nature of God. So, so Satan did it. And then you know who, who lied next? It immediately got into Adam and Eve. And what happened when God came looking after they ate of the fruit that he said don't eat of, he came looking for them, where are you guys? And uh, they said, you know, we're, we were ashamed and, and uh, all this stuff. And, and, and the Lord said, did you eat? Did you eat of the fruit that I told you not to eat of? And Eve responded in, in, in uh, Genesis 3, 12, or Adam first, Adam, the woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me of the tree and I ate. In other words, he's already shading. He's already, instead of just saying, yes, I did it. <sighs> no, it, it, it's, really, it's really the woman. I mean, yeah, well, I guess I ate, but it really was her. So the, so the Lord goes to her, Eve, did you do this? What happened here? What did you do? And she said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. Not, yes, I did it. Not the serpent. He points away. She deflects. She points away. And lying has entered the human race. We no longer just say what actually is straight up, holding nothing back. We shade things and tilt and slant and deceive and, and show things in a favorable light to us so we're not guilty. And, and then their kids picked it up. And you remember Cain and Abel? This is a num obviously a number of years later. There's many, many years between verses in that part of the Bible. But Cain and Abel, and Cain killed his brother Abel. And, and what did he do after that? He lied about it. The Lord came to him, Genesis 4, 9. Then the Lord said to Cain, where is Abel, your brother? He said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? And so Cain's a liar. Hey, where did you get that, Cain? He got it from mom and dad. We got it from Satan, and Satan was still working in people to try to get them to hide what was true and, and correct, and it's affected the whole world today. People lie so much with zero remorse. People will look you straight in the eye and, and totally tell you what is not true. And they don't even flinch. It's like, you are skilled at this. You have, you have become, you know, an expert in denying reality and tricking people. What spirit is that? That's the devil. We got politicians that are professional liars, right? They are, they are really, really good at it. And we have news organizations that will flat out lie to the public. 
If you've ever been on the inside or, or have, have had knowledge of situations and then you saw it on the t TV or on the internet and you saw what they presented, it's shocking. You think, they're flat out lying to everybody and most people don't know they're doing it because they don't have the inside information. And they just do it. Reputable sources. And they lie to the public. This is happening every day. What is that? It's the work of Satan. It's the work of the enemy. And sometimes, you know, we let it slide into our own lives. Again, Paul's writing to Christians here. He's not just correcting the news of the day. <laughs> Which, by the way, fake news has been around for a long time. It really has. I mean, you even go back to uh, the days of Smith Wigglesworth, famous man of faith before our modern times. But he, he wouldn't, he would, he's well known for not allowing newspapers into his home. He would make people leave them outside. <laughs> And it was a, like a shocking thing. Like, what? He said, well, I, why read half the truth when you can read the whole truth? So, I mean, a hundred years ago, he's saying, that's not true. There's lies in there. I don't want it in me. Wow. So, uh, these things are, 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 are constant with society. Um, but it seems nowadays where we fail is we allow this to seep in in, in smaller areas. You know, sometimes, uh, well, always kids want, or parents want their kids to speak the truth to them, right? And you have to teach them because in very early days, Timmy will take the cookie out of the cookie jar with crumbs all over his face and say, nope, I didn't do it, right? And they have to be told, have to be taught to tell the truth. But what the problem sets in is when they see mom and dad doing the same thing. You know, in the days when our phones didn't tell you who was calling, you had to answer and say, hello, and then you find out who it is. Say, hello? Oh, John. And then the, then, uh, the husband or wife is saying, tell them I'm not here. <laughs> and the kids watch that. And they see they're lying. They're saying intentionally something that is not true. And that, that teaches us these things. You know, when, when people call into work sick, and they're not. What is that? <laughs> Who does that come from? Let's clarify. Does that come from your Father in Heaven, or does it come from the Father of Lies? Which spirit would be motivating someone to do that? I know sometimes we think that's minor, it's insignificant, it's not a major thing. It's like years ago when that guy... That guy looked into the camera and said, I did not have sex with that woman. Remember that? And, and, and listen, and it was many times justified by he's just lying about sex. He's not lying about national security issues or things of a serious nature. He's just lying about sex. But that's the problem is we give place for being deceitful in some areas. Well, I would never lie about such and such, just this. I don't believe that. I believe if we allow that spirit to exist in our hearts, then we'll lie whenever it serves us. Whenever it's going to cost us to tell the truth in some way, or it appears that way, then we will do that. And so we can't make some things acceptable 
And other times we're saying, oh, yeah, this is a big deal, so I always tell the truth about important things. Yeah, I lied to them, but I would never lie to you. <laughs> really? <laughs> I, I, that doesn't breed confidence in my heart. It's kind of like if you have friends that, that talk to you about the failures of other people. What are they telling you about their character? They will also talk about you to other people. Hallelujah. Because doing that is obviously acceptable to them in certain situations that they judge, this is okay this time. What we want to do is when we recognize something is wrong, it's not of our new nature, it's not of our father, it's of the devil, I just want to clear it out 100% in every situation and I never allow myself to be in, in, in that area, that realm of deceit. Praise God. Sometimes it seems that lying becomes acceptable to people when it, uh, when it hides other sins. This happened, so now, I would normally, not normally lie, but then they lie about that. People lie about uh, crimes, they lie about drugs, they lie about sexual encounters, where they might be truthful in other areas. They'll, these other things kind of seem to make it okay. And I'm just saying, for us, we ought to say it's just never okay. It's just not. It's never going to heal. It's never going to help. Well, it'll save me some trouble. I don't believe it will. I don't believe it, it ever saves us any, any trouble in, in that way. Amen. I don't like the fact that we live in a world where you can't trust things. Where, you know, you go to a sporting event and the, the calls are questionable. And in the back of your mind, you're wondering, did that person get paid off? Because why are they, it seems like all the calls are going one way. And you wonder, you don't, maybe don't necessarily know. We have to deal with that in a fallen world. Where people can take, you know, have a repair person in to fix an appliance or fix uh, their, their car. And maybe they're not real knowledgeable about those intricacies. And, and, and they have to wonder, am I being totally taken to the cleaners here? Because the guy said I needed, you know, new halogen fluid or something, and and for my, and, you know, I didn't know better. And he said that's a hundred dollars, you know. You know what I'm talking about? People take advantage of others when they believe they can, and they'll lie. And sometimes you just don't know if people are lying to you. I don't like that, but I don't want to participate or contribute. Okay. I was thinking about why people lie. Why, why do they intentionally say things that are not true? Okay, again, note, remember this. The purpose of it is to deceive. Lying is trying to deceive someone else. And, and so I thought, well, here's three. Number one, people lie out of pride. They lie out of pride. In other words, uh, they want to impress others. They want to say something that's not true so others will think more highly of them. Yeah, one of the famous stories is, is in Acts chapter 5 where uh, a couple, Ananias and Sapphira, conceived this thing to lie to people about the price they sold their land for and how much they were giving in the offering. They presented it one way when the truth was something different. They were trying to look better in everyone's eyes. They were trying to impress others with their large gift and their generosity. They actually died that day as a result of it. Okay? But that's one of the famous examples of someone trying to impress others and lying even straight to God about it, which is silly that you would lie to God. <laughs> you read the story there. 
Acts 5, 1 through 10, you'll see the, the example. Another reason people lie is because of guilt. And they want to divert that guilt away from themselves onto others. Because guilt, you know, no one wants to be guilty. I don't. Uh, one, one famous story, another famous story from the Bible is this, the account of Moses going up on the mountain, Mount Sinai, to receive the Ten Commandments and the law of God. And he was gone for quite some time, 40 days. When he came down, Israel was a mess. 40 days, they couldn't stay straight. And what happened in the middle of it, they said, Moses is gone. We need, we need our own gods to serve. And Aaron collected uh, all their gold and all their jewelry. They melted it down and made this golden calf. And they all said, that's our God now. <laughs> Sounds silly, but that's the cultures they came out of in Egypt. They saw people worshiping all these idols. And when Aaron was called on it by Moses, what did he do? Uh, you know these people. He started blaming them. In fact, in Exodus, the end of that story, Exodus 32, 24. And I said to them, whoever has any gold, let them break it off. So they gave it to me and I cast it into the fire and this calf came out. <laughs> so here's the good part of that. Aaron was a bad liar. Do <laughs> you see how that's a good thing? His story was laughable. It was stupid. And you want to be that way. We want it to be that if we ever tell a lie, everyone knows it. Because if we become skilled at it, we are skilled in the wrong expertise. We, I don't want to be a good liar where I can look someone in the eye just absolutely lie to their face with a smile on my face. That's, de that's devilish. That's demonic if you can trick people like that. Aaron couldn't. Thank God he was called out. Oh, the calf just poop, pop, popped out. Pop. <laughs> popped out of the fire. And, but he was trying to get rid of the guilt. It's their fault. And this is how it happened. And it's not me. I didn't do it. Uh, the third one is fear. People will lie because they're trying to avoid the consequences of the truth. They're afraid that if the truth comes out, if the truth is known, that it will harm us in some way. Classic example of this is Peter on the night of Jesus' trial and then crucifixion. And Peter was uh, questioned about who he belonged to. And in John 18, 25, now Simon Peter stood and warmed himself by the fire there. Therefore they said to him, you are not also one of his disciples, are you? He denied it and said, I am not. It's interesting. Peter is lying about doing something good. I mean, that's admirable to be one of the Lord's disciples, but he didn't want to be condemned with the Lord. He didn't want to be counted among, there and among them and suffer the consequences. So he lied about the Lord. That is despicable. And he felt remorse and got right and he was raised up and God restored him, of course. But that's a very big deal to lie about knowing the Lord. But he did it. He was afraid of what might happen if he told people the truth. And these are the things we have to overcome. Proverbs 6, verses 16 and 17. These six things the Lord hates, yes, seven are an abomination to him. A proud look, 
a lying tongue. You can read the rest. I just wanted to point out to you that among the things that God hates the most is a lying tongue. That means keep it away from me. In Revelation 21 and verse 8, it says, All liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone. How would we describe the believer and the unbeliever? Here's one way among many ways to describe them. The unbeliever is called a liar. The believer would be one who embraces, one who accepts, and holds fast to truth. And it shows us, if we're already saved, just like the Ephesian church, he said, put that away. That's not you guys anymore. That's the old dude. That's the old life. That's the conduct of the world. Keep yourself clear of that. Stay in the arena of truth. That's where God is. You think you're saving yourself some harm by not telling what happened or what you really did. But you're not in the blessing of God in that realm. You're yielding to the father of lies. Stay over here in the realm of truth where God's blessing can heal. People lie about what they've done and they stay in its bondage. They stay in its grip. But when people open up and reveal and let, things, let the truth be known, God's healing power will come in. There's coming a point in time when everything will be, be made known. I tell you, when we, are, when we are in heaven, there will be no secrets. And if that, if that scares anyone, well, it shouldn't because there's mercy and grace and restoration. But I'm just telling you, in the presence of God, there is no deception. God is not a deceiver, not a hider, not, not someone who is keeping us out of the loop. He wants full expression of his ways and his life and his love. And there's not going to be any secrets. Thank God there's forgiveness and restoration. Amen. Say, we're all going to know all the bad things we've done. Well, I don't know. I don't know exactly what that looks like. I just know there won't be any of us saying, I hope no one knows. Hope no one ever finds out. Because that's what it's like in darkness. Amen. Can I, can, can I real quickly, you got, got a minute? <laughs> three things. This is a whole message, but I've got to give them out to you. Uh, three things that lying destroys. Number one, your conscience. It will destroy your conscience. 1 Timothy 4.2 says, Speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared with a hot iron. Characteristic of the last days, lots of hypocrisy, lots of lying. And people, are, they're so good at it, they're so skilled, their conscience is seared, they'll look you right in the eye and lie to you and you'll never know it. I mean, they are absolutely skilled and developed in telling lies. We got to get away from this. This is, uh, if your conscience becomes warped like that, seared like that, can I tell you what's next? Some really bad decision making. <laughs> We're about to do some really dumb things when our conscience is no longer working. I remember when I was in like third grade, fourth grade, my, my mother put in my lunch a, what was called a fruit roll and the fruit roll was of the wrong flavor. I liked the grape one. This was apple and cinnamon or something, which I like now, but I didn't then. And so I took that, I, when I was distraught over that being in my lunch, 
and I threw it in the trash. I knew I was in trouble already. For some reason, she asked me about it. You know what I did? I lied. And it was all over me, obvious. <laughs> and she knew it, and I was in trouble, and it was one of the best things that happened to me. Not the fact that I lied, but the fact that I got caught, and my conscience was working really strong and loud, and so much so it was in my expressions, and it was all over me, and I couldn't get away with it. Say, so why was that good? Because I'm not a liar. And that's the reason. Now my conscience works and it does not let me live. <laughs> I cannot be at peace. I cannot sleep if I tell a lie. And I think that is the grace of God. It's the nature of my Father. I want to maintain that, not sear it. Number two, lying destroys your faith. Lying destroys your faith. One of the attributes, one of the functions of faith, as Jesus taught in Mark eleven twenty three, 23, is that a faith person, they speak to their mountain, but when they do, they believe the things that they say will happen. They believe that their words, not they just believe in God's words, they believe their words will happen. If I am a liar, a deceiver, I say things that I know are not true, I don't believe my words. And so when I go to speak to the mountain, my words are weak. My words are impotent. They don't have the punch they need to do some mountain moving. Lying destroys our faith. And number three, lying destroys our relationships. The very foundation and basis of our relationship with God begins with the fact that God cannot lie. Titus 1 verse 2. God cannot lie. He cannot say something and not do it. Therefore, I can trust Him. Therefore, I can take His word to the bank. Come on. I can, I can rest my eternal salvation on what He promised me. I can be healed. I can be, I have my prayers answered because of what God said. He never, ever lies at all. And I can trust him. What about if we try to override that principle? Husband and wife lie to each other. Friends lie. Co-workers lie to each other. All this kind of stuff. You know what happens? Relationships are destroyed. You can't trust someone if they don't tell you the truth. And if someone says, well, I tell the truth most of the time, <laughs> I don't know what time this is. <laughs> or I wouldn't lie about anything else, only this, because, well, I don't know what that is, so I don't trust you. And then if you try to convince me to trust you, I trust you less. <laughs> right? How I many know we, no, we have no obligation to just blanket trust people? You should trust me. Why? I'll trust you if I know you and if you're honest. But if I don't know you, I'm not calling you a liar. I just don't know you. But, and if I know you and I know sometimes, eh, you shade the truth, you cheat on your taxes, you, you, <laughs> you, know, you do different things that are questionable, man, my, my trust in you is not solid. 
And if it has been destroyed in the past, it can be repaired. All this can be repaired. With God, it's instant. Forgiveness, restoration, instant. We're right, we're clean. With people, it takes a little bit of time. Because if we've lied to each other in the past, we don't trust each other, we can set that straight, though. But it's going to take a track record. A new track record of honesty and openness and sincerity. And then, over time, trust can be rebuilt. In other words, relationships can be destroyed, even with, with us who have, we've all done things that are wrong. Right? We've all said things we shouldn't say and done things that we sh- Relationships can be restored. We just have to be willing to invest a lot of effort and time into them. Amen? But I tell you, if we're believers, most of us here are, are believers. This is the way God is. And therefore, it's the way we are. Put on the new man. What do you mean? Tell the truth. Come on. Have a, have a, a, a reverence and adherence to what is true above everything else. Amen. Amen. Would you pray with me for a moment? Father, thank you for working in here. We're working in everybody. We're working in our lives.